Ezra chapter 9. Now, when these things were done, the princes came near to me, saying, The people of Israel, the priests, and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land, following their abominations, even those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy offspring have mixed themselves with the peoples of the land. Yes, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. When I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe, and I pulled the hair out of my head and of my beard, and I sat down confounded. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel were assembled to me, because of the trespass of the captivity. And I sat confounded until the evening offering. At the evening offering, I rose up from my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn, and I fell on my knees, and I spread out my hands to Yahweh my God, and I said, My God, I am ashamed, and I blush to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have increased over our head, and our guiltiness have grown up to the heavens. Since the days of our fathers, we have been exceedingly guilty, and our iniquities, our kings and our priests, have been delivered into the hand of the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plunder, and to confusion of face, as it is to this day. Now for a little moment, grace has been shown from Yahweh our God to leave us a remnant to escape, and to give us a nail in this holy place, that our God may lighten our eyes and revive us a little in our bondage. For we are bondservants, yet our God has not forsaken us in our bondage, to us in the sight of the kings of Persia, to revive us, to set up the house of our God and to repair its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. Now, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you had commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, The land to which you go to possess is an unclean land, through the uncleanness of the peoples of the land, through their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their filthiness. Now therefore don't give your daughters to their sons. Don't take their daughters to your sons, nor seek their peace or their prosperity forever, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. After all that has come on us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such a remnant, Shall we again break your commandments and join ourselves with the peoples that do these abominations? Wouldn't you be angry with us until you had consumed us, so that there would be no remnant nor any to escape? Yahweh, the God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left a remnant that has escaped as it is today. Behold, we are before you in our guiltiness, for no one can stand before you because of this. Well, so Ezra is back in the land. He hears a report that the Israelites that are there are marrying with the other people that are there. So they're mixing, you know, their, their, uh, their race, you know, Israelite race is mixing with, you know, Amorites and Canaanites and people like that. And it says he was confounded. It, it, I guess he just couldn't believe it. <laughs> and uh, because that's the whole history of Israel is, you know, that the Lord sent them into the promised land and said, you ought to be holy. You ought to be like me. Don't copy the other example of the nations around you and don't marry into them. Because he said, if you marry into them, then you'll be influenced by them. D don't do it. So here, Ezra, he's come back and he's just, 
I guess he's just astounded. He's like, what? Have we not even like learned the lesson of this captivity? This is part of the problem. And, he, and then he starts a prayer in about verse five or six. And that prayer goes for the whole rest of the chapter. And it's a prayer of what you call identification or repentance. It's kind of like, or it's a prayer of intercession. He basically is confessing the sins that they have done as though it's his own sin. Saying, Lord, forgive us our sins. Forgive us. So, no doubt Ezra wasn't guilty of all these sins, but as a whole, the nation of Israel was, and he's one of the nation of Israel. So he's confessing as a representative of them all, and he's praying a great prayer of repentance and sorrow. I just wanted to talk for a few minutes about this idea of interracial marriage. So what was going on here was that you've got Israelites, people from the tribe of Judah, that were marrying Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Ammonites, people that were in the land, they were intermarrying with them. And he, you know, Ezra's really sad and he's repenting about the intermarriage, uh, the interracial marriage. But today in the world, people marry interracially all the time and it's fine. Probably in your church, there are people who are married from different races. Uh, it doesn't have to be it's, it doesn't have to be as obvious as people with different skin color. That's a type of interracial marriage, which is that's fine as well. But it can be people with the same skin color. So, for example, my wife, she's American. I'm Australian. That's an interracial marriage, even though you wouldn't naturally think of that. But our cultures are very, very different to each other. And there's even things we still discover that, oh, <laughs> they're different. Uh, there's so many differences. But yet, that's fine. And, uh, you know, we discover things like uh, children growing up, some of them learn to pronounce things the American way, some of them learn to pronounce things the Australian way. <laughs> a lot of joy in it. There's a lot of fun in discovering differences like that. But in the Bible, Ezra was so upset by the fact that they had married interracially that he, he was confounded. He, he cried. The whole chapter is a prayer of repentance over this issue. So what's the difference? Why was interracial marriage such a terrible thing back then, and it's okay now? Well, what I have to say is that the Lord, the Lord was trying to establish something in the earth with, with Israel where they were to be an example to the others. But the problem was that they were mixing and marrying with these other cultures and being influenced by the other cultures. It was the Lord was trying to to basically say, you, you need to be different to those other cultures. I remember when we were back in um, you know, Deuteronomy, there were some of the commands that the Lord gave to the Israelites seemed really odd, like don't cook a goat in its mother's milk. Don't cook a baby goat in its mother's milk was one of those commands. And I remember thinking, that's so strange. Like, what's wrong with that? And then we researched and we found out that that was something that the local tribes were doing, like the Amorites and the Canaanites were doing that type of thing they were supposed to be different. So, you know, it's really, really hard when you marry into someone else's family and um, they have their way of doing things. You know, they cook things in the mother's milk. <laughs> Just a silly example. That's the least of the problems. But, you know, they had other gods back then. And it's people don't easily change. And so the Lord wanted, you know, the land of Canaan to become his place set apart for him, but because they, they didn't remove the people from the land, they intermarried with them, and the result was that the sins of the land became their sins. 
And if they had have just obeyed the Lord, that would never have been a problem. And so today, you know, it's we still have that type of a warning, but it's not exactly the same. For example, Paul says that we should not be unequally yoked. What he means by that is don't marry an unbeliever if you have a choice. And um, that would be the equivalent of the same thing that happened back then. And uh, for example, you know, Boaz in the, in the book of Ruth, we covered the book of Ruth, he marries Ruth who's a Moabite. So here's an example of someone who does marry someone from another culture, but she loves the Lord. And it seems to be that that's okay. Uh, <laughs> so it seems really what's being said here is don't marry someone whose affections are given to, some, to another God or who don't have a heart for, heart for the Lord. So we would say to young people growing up in church, you know, marry a believer. You, you'll be spared so many problems if you marry a believer and your children that you have will be spared all the problems as well. They're not gonna grow up with mixed influences. They're not gonna grow up confused. If they're born into a home where both mum and dad love the Lord. So it's not really so much about what race you belong to as about what your heart is for the Lord. Now, back then, you know, the Israelites were a race that, in theory, loved the Lord, whereas the Canaanites were a race that worshipped Baal. So don't mix the two. So that's what it was really all about. So, you know, Ezra, Ezra comes back, he sees that they're intermarrying and he goes, oh dear, haven't we learned our lesson? And, you know, there's a process of repentance that starts to happen here. And we find that by the time of the Pharisees, the, the lesson has been well and truly learnt. They're not tempted at all by the other gods and the other religions of the land. You know, there are Greek gods, Roman gods. They're not worshipping any of them. Uh, <laughs> in fact, they've taken it to a, such an extreme that they won't even mingle with Gentiles. So they've really adopted the law. It, the pendulum has swung to the far end. And the Lord Jesus Christ had to help bring it back to the middle. He would dine with Pharisees and tax collectors because the Lord knew it was in the middle. The Lord knew that you could love these people but not be influenced by their other ways. So the Lord Jesus knew what was right and what was wrong. So is it okay to marry someone from another race? Well, the answer is yes, as long as you're not unequally yoked, as long as they have a heart for God and you have a heart for God. And But of course, I would never marry anyone without seeking the will of the Lord. Lord, is it okay if I marry this person? Is this your will for my life? If you do, You'll spare yourself many problems. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the journey of faith, of salvation history. I thank you for all that the people of God have been through and all that we can learn from it. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn the right lessons, not the wrong ones, and that you'd spare us from the many of the pains and the problems of the past. That your grace be added to us in Jesus' name. Amen.